church family, let me invite you to take God's word and join me back in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we resume our study through Matthew's gospel, most specifically through the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, these first few verses containing these eight Beatitudes, which are little short, kind of pithy, uh, almost feel like the Proverbs a little bit, these short descriptions which reveal what the true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ what his or her life looks like. Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, if you are of me, if you are a part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, then there are things that are going to be true about your life. And he begins with these Beatitudes, all of them beginning with that refrain of blessed is the one, blessed is this kind of, of person, And just to remind us once more that the condition of being blessed is not determined by our circumstances. It is not that you are blessed when everything is going well, when the money is good and everybody's happy, but if those things are somehow then not true, you're no longer blessed of God. Being blessed has nothing to do with circumstances, but it has to do with one's condition their place in life because of who they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Never is that understanding more needed and necessary than when you come to the final of these Beatitudes. Look down chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, as we see, being blessed has nothing to do with happy easy, nice, 75 and sunny kind of circumstances. We are in fact blessed of God. Blessed in Christ even in the face of this final beatitude in the face of persecution. Church family, the inevitable reality for all who are in Christ. The sure reality for every Christian is that there will be difficulty suffering in this life. Specifically, according to the text this morning, the inevitable reality is that there will be difficulty that comes upon the follower of Christ because... Because they love Jesus, because they follow Christ, and because they seek to live for His honor. There will be some form of persecution that comes upon the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 15 and verse 20, you recall the setting. Jesus is with His disciples in the upper room right before He is to die. And He says this to them, Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted Me, they will also persecute you. Or Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will have ease of days. Is that what Paul told Timothy? No, in fact, it's just the opposite it feels like. That all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. John Stott, the faithful pastor of the last century, he said this about this reality. Since all the Beatitudes describe what every Christian disciple is intended to be, we conclude that the condition of being despised, rejected, slandered, and persecuted is as much a normal mark of Christian discipleship as being pure in heart or merciful. Every Christian is to be a peacemaker, and every Christian is to expect opposition. Those who hunger for righteousness will suffer for the righteousness they crave. We should not be surprised if anti-Christian hostility increases, but rather be surprised if it does not. Have you been surprised? by the anti-Christian hostility of recent months and years? If so, then I want to draw your heart and your mind into the reality of what it means to be a follower of Christ, but I also want to point your gaze to the future. The future promise that is given to all who endure in the face of such persecution. Beloved, the way to heaven is fraught with, as the hymn says, many dangers, toils, and snares. No Christian finds their way into heaven without enduring in this life many dangers, toils and snares suffering persecution for the cause of christ is not merely relegated to those christians in the middle east or those underground churches in asia persecution is the promise to all followers of christ in all places and at all times thomas watson faithful Puritan wrote this, the saints have no charter of exemption from trials. Though they be ever so meek, merciful, pure in heart, their piety will not shield them from sufferings. They must hang their harp on the willows and take the cross. The way to heaven is by way of thorns and blood. Beloved, no one gets to heaven without enduring trials, sufferings, and persecutions along the way. 
No Christian or no person eases their way into heaven without enduring some scars along the way. If you desire to follow Christ, if you have come to salvation in Christ, if you have committed yourself to follow Him all the days of your life, Beloved, know that there will be some difficult moments along the way. There will be opposition which you face. But church, it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. The ridicule is worth it. The loss is worth it. And what God is doing in you as you are persecuted for Him, it is producing, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I want to draw out for us from these three verses, I want to draw out for us two truths, two truths regarding the persecution of Jesus' disciples. So one in verses 10 and 11, the second one in verse 12. So truth number one, True disciples, true disciples, true followers, genuine believers will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. True disciples will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. Look back in the text, verses 10 and 11. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11, by the way, serves as a bit of an explanatory note of what Jesus means in verse 10. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. The word persecuted is at the center. It stands out. It jumps off the page as we consider this final beatitude. What does it mean to be persecuted. The word persecuted here, it means to put someone to flight. It means to, the idea here is of driving them away. The idea is of inflicting difficulty on such a person so as to be rid of them, to silence them. To remove them from the mainstream of society. In its most extreme form, it means to be rid of such a person by killing such a person. As we seek to rightly understand what persecution is, notice in verse 10 the qualifier here. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for for the sake of righteousness. When we think about and we're trying to wrap our brains around and categorize what is being persecuted, Christ is saying to us in verse 10, persecution comes as a direct result of the sake of righteousness. Persecution comes upon the followers of Christ because they seek to live lives in accordance with the righteous standard of the Word of God. Persecution comes upon the true believer as they seek to honor Christ 
with their lives as they seek to live for the glory of God in accordance with the Word of God. Persecution will come upon the one who seeks to emulate the life and the character of Christ in their own life. Persecution will be the reality for the one who seeks to live their life controlled by the Spirit of God and not by the lust of the flesh and the spirit of the age. And just as a reminder, the world and the enemies of the cross of Christ, they do not persecute those that look like them. They persecute those whose lives are radically different from them. And again, if you are surprised that Christianity begets persecution, I fear maybe you've not been paying attention to the Word of God. If someone told you that, you know, way back when, maybe when you became a Christian, if they told you that it was all going to be sunshine and, and roses and blue jays on your windowsill and rainbows and unicorns, they lied to you. Because the reality is, in this life, while it may not be every day, and it may not be that in every season you endure some type of persecution, the rea- reality is, for the child of God, If you stand for Christ, if you stand against the flow of culture, if you say, no, thus saith the Lord, while culture is saying, no, we're going to pursue this and you can't tell me any different, if that's where you stand, you will be persecuted. There will be difficulty. Just a brief, maybe pause here to say this. Let's consider for just a moment what persecution is not. Just a helpful, maybe, couple of thoughts here. What is persecution not? Well, number one, persecution is not suffering the consequences of your own sin. Persecution is not suffering the consequences of your own sin. We read this earlier, but turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. I want to just make a distinction here in a couple of ways as we're trying to think through the realities of persecution. Sometimes, there are those who make sinful choices, even Christians, they make sinful choices and they begin to suffer the consequences of those sinful choices and they try to cry in that moment, I'm being persecuted. When the reality is, you're just bearing the consequences of your sinful choices. 1 Peter 4, verse 14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, watch that qualifier there, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Make sure, verse 15, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. If you take someone's life and you go to prison, that's not being persecuted. If you're a thief, 
and you get caught and arrested, that's not being persecuted. You broke the law, and now you bear the consequences of your sin. At the end of verse 15, if you are a troublesome meddler, and then nobody wants to have anything to do with you, you're not being persecuted, you're just a troublesome meddler, and that's why people are avoiding you like the plague. So there's a difference between being persecuted and suffering the consequences of one's sin. And then secondly, I think we can say this, and I want to be very careful, but I think this is a needed word for the church, not just our church, but the church in our country, particularly as we look to the horizon and we see another election cycle looming before us. Persecution is not being ignored or silenced because you are rude or obnoxious. If you are rude or obnoxious and the world looks at you and says, hey, get away. I really don't want to talk to you about this anymore. That's not persecution. That's suffering the consequences of being rude and obnoxious. Maybe to say this a different way, James Boyce, the persecution Jesus is talking about and for which believers are to rejoice and be glad is not the hostility that will come to them from the world because they have made themselves a nuisance. Insulted people they're trying to influence or been rude, crude. It's because they have become like Christ in His righteousness and are therefore being hated for righteousness' sake as Jesus was. Beloved, as you interact with the world, I understand that one of the things that must be true for us is that if we're going to honor Christ, if we're going to stand upon His Word, that necessarily means that there's going to be some confrontation. So what we're not saying, what I'm not trying to communicate in this is you know, never have confrontation, always avoid confrontation. That confrontation, if you stand for Christ, is going to be inevitable. Here's what I'm asking for us. I'm asking that when we speak the truth, Ephesians 4.15, we do so in love. We do so not trying to win an argument. We do so not trying to belittle our opponents. But we do so because we want to woo them to Christ. We want to save them from hell. We want to move them from the broad path of destruction to the narrow way of eternal life. And so then, as you stand for Christ, as you say, no, my family's not going to do that. No, I'm not going to be a part of that. No, church, we will not believe that. Let's just do so as winsome and with grace, not being rude or obnoxious to the watching world. Well, what then is persecution? What does that look like practically? God's Word is full of explanation about what it looks like to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you think about Hebrews chapter 11, that, that hall of faith, Right, All these saints that have gone before us. There's a section in Hebrews 11 that talks about how so many of these faithful saints were treated. 
In its most extreme form, persecution is death. Hebrews 11.37 It's beatings. Hebrews 11.36 Mockings. Hebrews 11.36 Imprisonment. Same verse. Isolation from society. Hebrews 11.37 and 38. Earlier in Hebrews 10, verse 34, the seizure of property is persecution. Being threatened or intimidated in 1 Peter 3, 14 is persecution. But look, most specifically in our text, at verse 11. Jesus outlines here for us three things that He has in mind. Beloved, here's the reality. It is not likely that anyone in this room will be persecuted unto death for righteousness sake that that's not likely it is not likely that you'll be beaten in the city square because you seek to honor the lord jesus in your life but the things in verse 11 these are things that i think resonate with us these are if you will persecutions of the tongue things that people might say against us So often we do find ourselves in this place. Blessed are you, verse 11, when people insult you. When they insult you. That word means to revile. It's a word that we've seen a couple of times this morning already back in 1 Peter chapter 4. And to insult or to revile, it means to hurt one's reputation. To hurt one's reputation. Again, Peter's using that word, 1 Peter 4.14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Listen, beloved, the, the world increasingly doesn't understand the church. Increasingly, they don't understand the church. And increasingly, they become more hostile to the church, the things of God, God's Word, and the standards of righteousness by which we seek to live. And one of the things, because they don't understand, because our lives run so so clearly contrary to theirs, one of the things that they will do is that they will insult. They will insult the church broadly, but they will insult you specifically. Some of you have lived this out maybe many times already. Workplace conversation, across the street with your neighbor just chatting and a conversation pops up and you make a clear stand for what Scripture says. You make a clear declaration of no, that's actually not right. Here's what God's Word says. Maybe you've even gone so far as to call sinners to repentance. And faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've had to say things like, no, unless you come to faith in Christ, you will suffer an eternal wrath of God in hell. And as a response to that, that friend or coworker or neighbor has insulted. They've said things about you that aren't true. They've sought to demean you. To belittle you. To make you feel less intelligent somehow? This is what Jesus is getting at. 
in verse 11. He says, secondly, there in verse 11, blessed are you when people persecute you. It's the same word back in verse 10. Just a broad word for all kinds of persecution. And then thirdly, at the end of verse 11, blessed are you when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Me. The idea here is of slander. It's not just merely that in the moment they've disagreed with you, maybe they've said some cutting things about you or to you, but now it's that going on from that, they falsely accuse for the purpose of defaming your name and your character. As you seek to live out the righteous life of Christ, that righteousness is going to reflect on their rebellion. And they'll slander you for it. Church, you will have to bear some insults and false accusations in the path of Christ-exalting obedience. If you're not ready to suffer that, you are not yet ready to follow Christ. Because true disciples will be persecuted for the sake of Christ. How do we respond in that? How do we respond when persecuted, insulted, lied about? Verse 12, here's our second truth. That true disciples, and this is going to seem so opposite of where you want to be in this. At least where our flesh wants to be in this. Because true disciples, in those moments, what do they do? They rejoice in persecution true disciples rejoice in persecution verse 12 rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. It lines up with, look back to the end of verse 10, it lines up with what Jesus is saying there as well. Blessed are you when persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to obtain the kingdom, if you want to receive great reward, then you will walk the path of persecution. And in so doing, verse 10, verse 12, receive The kingdom. Acts 14, verse 22. Paul said this after being stoned. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Church, persecution is coming. That's a reality. But the reality, according to the end of verse 10 and in verse 12, the reality is what? Beloved, you, through that, will inherit a kingdom. Though killed for Christ in this life, eternal life with Christ in the next. Though tortured for Christ in this life, your tears wiped away by Christ in the next. Though mocked for Christ in this life, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant from Christ in the next. Though imprisoned for Christ in this life, 
eternally free with Him in the next. Though made destitute for Christ in this life, given the riches of glory in the next. Though ostracized by for Christ in this life, seated at His eternal banqueting table with Him in the next. And so then, verse 12, saints, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. I think this seems strange to us. Rejoice and be glad in persecution? I think it seems strange that the call of Christ in the face of suffering for Him is rejoice and be glad. Luke records in Luke 6.23 that Jesus says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. You remember remember when the disciples in Acts chapter 5 Sanhedrin told him, hey, quit preaching Jesus. Quit preaching the resurrection. We can't have that. They brought them in and they flogged them. They beat them. And with their backs bloodied, they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name. Or do you remember in Acts 16, Paul and Silas? Philippian jail, beaten, in prison, midnight. And they're singing. They're singing. They're rejoicing. Seemingly glad in that moment. Why? Why? Why, apostles? Why are you leaping for joy that you've been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name? Why, Paul and Silas? Or, or How? How could you possibly sing in a moment like this? This is a terrible moment. How? For your reward in heaven is great. What you gain in heaven by walking the road of suffering is better than whatever you may lose for the sake of Christ in this life. And I think for us, we have to come to the place where we really believe that if we're ever really going to stand for Christ and upon the authority of His Word in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. We're going to have to ask ourselves, do I really believe that what I gain through being persecuted and the sufferings is better than whatever I might lose for the sake of Christ in this life? We gladly, church, we gladly endure the persecution because what is before us is infinitely better than what we lose in this life. If they take our reputation, Jesus is better. If they take our stuff, Jesus is better. If they take our lives, Jesus is still better, church. And what we gain 
on that day when we see Him face to face is better than whatever we might lose or not gain in this life. There are many who want to go to heaven. But there are few who are willing to walk the narrow road of suffering to get there. Saints, it's worth it. Walk every step of that road. When you see Jesus face to face, you will know that it has been worth it. And so keep plotting. Keep putting one foot in front of the other until you get safely home. It's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Righteousness and truth are worth it. It will be worth it in the end. And Jesus adds at the end of verse 12, look at this, that if you're persecuted, just know this, you're in good company. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And church, not only did they persecute the prophets who were before you, they persecuted your Savior who was before you. Jesus walked the road of suffering and persecution. He endured the insults, the slanders, the false accusations, the beatings, the scorn, the shame, death. Jesus walked the road of suffering and persecution not so that you would escape it, but so that as you walk it, you do so knowing that He holds you fast and that your reward in heaven is great. Church, I don't want you, I don't want us to be surprised if in the months and years to come, we face more and more and more difficulty and persecution from the world. Remember the quote from earlier? We should actually be surprised if it doesn't continue to ramp itself up against us. Peter, in 1 Peter, is writing to a persecuted people because they follow Christ. Because they believe the Gospel. And he says this to them in chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. Beloved, I, I don't want us to be surprised by it. I want us to embrace the sufferings that come with following after Christ. Because it honors God. It glorifies God. It advances His Gospel. And beloved, because if and when you endure to the end, it'll all be worth it. Your reward in heaven is great. Will you endure?
Will you commit? Maybe this day. Let the sufferings of persecution come. Let the insults and the slander and the false accusation, let us being ostracized from family and from friends, let it come if that's what it means to gain the reward of heaven. Let it come. I'll close with this. John Chrysostom, church father from the 4th century, in the face of great persecution, he stood bold, uncompromising and unrelenting. And so then, his straightforward proclamation of God's Word, including leaders of the government, it rubbed them the wrong way, and so he was summoned. Summoned to stand before Emperor Arcadius, was threatened with banishment if he did not stop his preaching. His response was this, Sire, you cannot banish me, for the world is my Father's house. Arcadius said, then I will slay you. Nay, but you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ in God. Arcadius replied, your treasures will be confiscated. John answered, Sire, that cannot be either. My treasures are in heaven where none can break through and steal. Arcadius gave one final desperate warning. Then I will drive you from man and you will have no friends left. Chrysostom's final reply was that you cannot do either. For I have a friend in heaven who has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. Walk the road suffering dear friends Christ is with you and your reward in heaven is great let's pray father I don't know what you will call us what kind of suffering through persecution you will call us to endure so God we pray that you would give us the grace to endure it conviction the belief that Jesus is better what will be true for Christ's disciples is persecution God help us to embrace it help us to share in the sufferings of Christ Father for anyone in the room that's tempted to not endure to the very end Oh God, would You help them to believe that Jesus is better. That it's worth it. And then, Father, by Your Spirit's work in us that will help us to endure, God, would You cause faith family to be salt and light. A place that proclaims truth and stands against the tide of sinful culture and that becomes a refuge for all who are weary and heavy laden God as we point them to Christ so God as we now sing take our lives God do with them what you will we trust you 
God, we know that whatever may happen in this life, we have a friend in Christ who will never leave us or forsake us. It's in His name that we ask. Thank you.